0: Welcome to the Mobile App Makers Podcast, the podcast where I interview mobile app creation experts from all disciplines so we can learn from them. Hi, hey, well, welcome everybody on the show. Today, I'd like to welcome Jeremy Paul from Modocall. He's a UI designer Hi. who has been working... On a lot of mobile applications and also websites, yep. and we're going to talk all about UI design today. Jeremy, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit more and tell us about what you're working on and that kind of stuff?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. So w- what I usually say is that I'm a UI designer, and um, like usually people don't get it because it's not like it's not as easy as saying that you're a pharmacist. So I'm going to have to explain that, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what is UI anyway? What does it, what
0: the letter stand uh, for? Yeah,
1: UI stands for uh, user interface. Okay So basically every product every uh, digital product that has uh, an interface, a visual interface is considered UI design, so yeah, that's what I work on. I usually work on uh, websites and applications like you mentioned, so yeah, I've been doing that for the best part of like the ten years that have passed. But, yeah, I've co-founded a um, company that's that's called Monocle. We do mainly mobile applications on Android and iOS. And yeah, so I'm a designer and maybe I have to explain what what that means. Well, that was one of my first
0: questions is, what is the difference between a UI designer and a UX designer? And so you've explained UI is user interface designer and UX is user experience designer. So can you clarify what the difference between the two is?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, visual or uh, UI design, it's, it's mostly... What we're doing is mostly visual, so creating a library of components. We'll probably go uh, and explain that later. But it's it's essentially doing a design system that allows you to create then the, then to create the screens and the pages and the templates. And UX is more on the emotional side, I would say. UX stands for uh, user experience, by the way. It's, it means that you have to create an experience out of everything we've created in UI. I'm no, I'm no expert in UX. That's fine. Yeah, my field is more UI. But if you want like, a metaphor, uh, I could say that it's like if you create a puppet, you know, uh, toy. If you if you create like an if you carve the head out of wood and the arms and you know every every component of the uh, the physical of the actual puppet, you, you're creating the components. But then it's just an inanimate toy. So then comes the the emotions, and this is when you start animate it. You know, and, and play with it starting to create emotions out of this it's kind of a crappy metaphor i'm sorry but it's I
0: get <laughs> yeah, that's but, fine that's it i hadn't heard that one before so it's a good metaphor to use yeah and in your description of the ui design you mentioned a design system and kind of a, the components that go in there can you explain what a design system is
1: okay first of all i should clarify something because there's there's like a library of components and then there's a design Basically, a design system is, is something that's way more complete, in a sense, it's it's way more uh, dense. It's probably used by multiple designers at, at one time, but it's essentially, a, it's a library of everything that stands for an app, like colors, fonts, typography, uh, considerations, how, how this component has to work, which state, uh, w- which color it is, in which state, you know, every... Every aspect that will make a UI behave
0: later on. Yeah, and really focusing on multiple states and what they look like. And yeah, so the colors and all that goes in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go after that later maybe because it's a, it's a great component of how atomic design works. But it's it's essentially that. So it's a library, a huge library that defines a brand and how how you apply it to a digital product.
0: So creating a mobile app is a, a lengthy process. and involves a lot of people, how does the visual designer integrate in the process of creating a mobile app?
1: A mobile app is, is basically like any product you have to create, like a real life product also uh, have these rules. Well, we mostly see things, so that's, that's like a primary sense. And visual design is an important part of, of an app because, because of this. And first of all, I would say that visual design comes first because it's it's design and design means planning ahead basically it's there's a large misconception about designers people often see us as makeup artists artist yeah yeah we don't we don't do that we actually plan ahead this is our uh, this is our job if you need to understand design it's like you know when i say uh to people i'm a ui designer they don't get it and i can blame them honestly but if i say i'm an architect people will start to understand immediately what it means and uh We're basically architects, but for digital products, you have to understand this because our job is not to make things pretty. It is, but not only that, it's basically laying out a plan for everyone else to follow later on, like when they're going to build the actual app. Like if you're going to build a house, if you don't have any plans, well, (laughs) you're up for a lot of problems. So this is what we do.
0: And how is the that planning, that building the plan? Like you're, I'm assuming, working with the user experience designer. How do you guys divvy up the work for the planning for the app?
1: Well, I'm going to have a hard time answering to that because I usually work alone. <laughs> so, and <laughs> usually my clients, they don't, have a, they don't have huge UX expectations. I usually tackle some UX because, uh, you know, I kind of have to. But again, I'm no expert. But then if you you were to work in larger companies, I guess these are really two different trades. I wouldn't exactly know how they divide the work. I'm pretty sure everyone has their own method. But yeah, I'm not sure I can really answer. Oh,
0: that's okay. I mean, I remember when I was working at Microsoft, which is a large company, that line was still tricky to hold over there because there are people that... No just user experience you know what what are the various screens that we're going to need what are what is the architecture what are the buttons and various controls that we're going to need on screen and that might not have the appetence for the visual part of creating that interface and then you know vice versa there's people that have the appetence for the visual design but not for the the ux design yeah people like me yeah exactly and then some people blur. It sounds like you're you're blurring the line a little bit since you're doing it for your clients, of covering both sides. So that's great.
1: Yeah, sure. People, there's some people who can do both, absolutely. But to me, I, I think it's most of most of these works, these uh, these jobs are actually re- really re- recent in the uh, in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, it's you have to see them as evolving trades, basically. So yeah, it's always on the move.
0: One of the things that we've talked about in the past is atomic design and that was something you told me you're very much into and a methodology that you apply to all the projects that you work on to can you tell us more about what atomic
1: design is well essentially it's a modular way of creating interfaces and there's like a chemical metaphor attached to it so you have to you have to consider this like back in the day we had the entire design industry was based in in printed supports like printed uh, mediums you had like books you had pages canvases the, the idea of starting by the, the canvas. So, the poster, for example, they were made like paintings. There were no real interaction and no other context. And now we're in a world of a digital world, actually. So, web, smartphones, and uh, now we have TVs, watches, glasses, connected objects, you know, and it, it really changed the game. So, we have kind of a fragmentation in medium sizes. We have a thousand devices with lots of ways to interact with them. Atomic design is another way of looking at things. It's instead of starting with the canvas, you're going to start with the smallest element, And so we're calling this an item, which is like the smallest and element that you cannot separate. These are like the font rules, the, the colors, the shapes, uh, iconography, whatever. Basically, they're uh, elements of branding, so there's no real use to them. But then combined together, you're starting to build molecules out of them. And then it can, can be like buttons, or cards or nav, nav bar, tab bars, all these things. And they start to have a functional interest. And then you combine them together and you have organisms. So it's like the same molecules that are repeated. And then you start growing larger and larger until you reach like templates and pages. So instead of starting with this page concept, you end up with that. You start with the with the actual content of things. Like if you're going to to design a like a login screen, for example, you're not going to think, well, how, what's the width of this of this login page to to start with? You're going to start you gonna start thinking, hey, what do I need for this feature? Right. So you're going to need text field. You're going to going to need a button. In which state is going to be that button in in this context? And it's more of a feature-centered approach, I think. So yeah, <laughs> sorry, it's kind of a long run, but uh, here it is.
0: No, oh, that's fine. That's what we want to learn. What is atomic design? Why why do you think it's such a great approach for designing an app to use atomic design?
1: Well, an, an app or a digital product, basically any, it's it's it has a lot of advantages. Mostly, um, I would say it's the reusing of components because It avoids like specific cases. It creates a sense of consistency. Even if you're not the most consistent person, it's going to force you to do so. You know, if you have the same context, you have the same function. Uh, For example, uh, if you you have a button that does a certain type of action, if you find that exact same concept in in another part of the app, you're going to use the same paradigms. I don't even know if that's a word in English, though. But yeah.
0: it is. Pronunciation is paradigm, but yes, paradigm. it's a word. Exactly. Yes.
1: <laughs> so yeah, there's the reusing of components. There's uh, there's also the fact that designers and developers are now able to share a unique language because back in the day, I think developers started work this way, like we do in atomic design today. It's, it's a it's a method that was initially used by developers so it's a great thing that we can now speak the same language on their end i actually asked developers friends and they said it means also less code and cleaner code it's easier to maintain and yeah more coherence on the on the user side ultimately so a lot of things
0: what i love about that about that approach is the consistency as you said because you're yeah. you're kind of forcing yourself to only use those basic components that you create so that the UI is consistent. And then the developer can do the same behind, making sure that they reuse the code over and over. Yeah. And when you have the conversation with the developer afterwards, you can say, hey, you know, here is just button X, whatever name you want to give it. And he immediately knows in the code, oh, OK, that's this component that I'm using. And I won't have to recode something new. It's great. So yeah. I can see yeah. how that makes things easier.
1: It does indeed. <laughs>
0: Have you run into any downsides
1: of using that approach on projects? Uh, nope. Nope.
0: <laughs> That's my really? answer. No downsides? No, okay.
1: no, I, I'm, I'm kidding. you. I would I would say it's absolutely perfect, but no, uh, you, you have to note some downsides. I'm not to try to, because I'm really sold to this approach, obviously, so I'm going to try to maybe go over a few downsides that I've heard. But actually, I might also tell you what, how they can be avoided. So the first thing I've heard is, from creative people, the designers that come from graphic design backgrounds, more of a of a graphic side approach. They say that this this method is kind of a barrier to creativity. Like if they were to adopt this method, you're saying to them, "Well, you're going to create components from now on, and uh, it's going to create interfaces, and it's going to create them almost automatically." So they're going to say, "Well, it's it's not that creative. I'm I'm not really satisfied with doing that all day, you know." And you have to think about it. It's just like The main difference between design and art, that you have constraints, and so constraints can actually fuel creativity. And there's a a really cool metaphor, again, sorry, but a metaphor that I really like. It's from Audrey Hack. I'll probably uh, have to give you a link on her conference because it's really awesome.
0: Yeah, please do.
1: And she says that if you take a music composer, ultimately what he does is using 12 notes, and he turns it into chords and then into entire pieces. And they're goddamn creative, you know? So this is a downside when you first approach atomic design, but then it's endless, you know? You have to have constraints to to design things properly. And I think uh, it can be used to your advantage. So, yeah.
0: And I guess like every good framework or good rules, they're meant to be broken. So when you feel like you can't have the creativity that the situation requires, that's when you can be like, okay, I need to create something new in my design toolbox that will be more creative and solve this problem.
1: Exactly, yes. Sure, you don't have to follow it by the book. It's like, yeah, yeah, you're free to experiment some other things. By all means, you know, it's just a method. And another thing that I've heard that concerns more, not, not only creative people, but every stakeholder on the project, basically, it's the setup cost. Because you're not right away designing screens. You have to go through a process of creating components. And it obviously takes more time. But then it's also great because it's an investment. You have to see it as an investment. So the time that you're gonna take at the beginning of the project doing that, then later on, it's gonna allow you for a, a really shorter time to market. You're gonna have all the components. It's like playing Lego basically.
0: I agree. One one of thing that I've noticed, I'm I'm using a similar approach, so I didn't know the I didn't know the term atomic design. One other thing that I've noticed is the beginning of the project is usually slow because you have to create all those atoms and all those molecules and all that stuff. And then as you move forward, I find that it gets easier and easier to create screens until you get to the point where, oh, wait, I don't have something for this. I need to go back to the Atom level and kind of build up again. So I'm definitely a fan of that approach.
1: Yeah, it's actually an an interesting thing you mentioned here, because you might think that once you've set up all your components, you're you're all set. But no, it's also uh, you have to see your design system or your your library as something that evolves. And that's a very, uh, very important aspect. Yeah.
0: To switch gear a little bit, one of the questions that I regularly get from clients is, you know, how how to find a good developer and that kind of stuff. And I want to turn the question more around the designer, like what to look for in a designer when you want to hire a designer for a project. Like, do you have ideas that we could give our listeners on things to look for?
1: If you want to create an app, you mean like a, a mobile application? Well, you essentially have to look for a UI designer, and any will do actually. Because me, for example, I'm, I do mobile apps, but I also do UI design, like web design. The difference is not that hard. The only thing that you have to make sure when you hire someone is that he knows about the platform's nature. So, are you gonna develop like a native app? Which platform are you are you delivering it on? Android, iOS, and if you're hiring like a web designer that has no clue whatsoever on on the the constraints of the of these platforms the guidelines uh, you're going to you know run into a lot of problems so make sure that he knows the platform this is important so atomic design is important but you have to know what you what, what you're going in, into
0: that's a great point you're making there because i find if the person doesn't know how this platform works then they're going to design screens in a way that might be very complicated to implement afterwards or that will not fit at all with the rest of the platform and then you run into issues. So it's great to have somebody that knows, okay, those are the things that the OS can do very easily and cheaply. And then here, those are things that will be more complicated and will take more time to implement. So that's very good advice there.
1: I've seen that too many times, you know, um, or even getting to work after someone who who did things Ignoring the guidelines, it's, uh, you know, I have one advice on this, I'm, I'm sorry by advance, but read the fucking manual. You have to read the guidelines of the of uh, of the of the platforms you're working for. This is important.
0: One of my pet peeves when I work on mobile apps and I get the design from somebody else that was not necessarily a designer that knew about mobile apps is around navigation. I find that people who are not used to design for mobile apps usually have trouble with the navigation, especially on iOS, since there's multiple ways to navigate and multiple transitions. And then when we look at it and we say, OK, this is how it's going to behave on the app, we're like, oh, yeah, that's not going to work because that's not the right kind of transition. That's so it's important.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of details that you have to take into account. You know, when the, the Apple Watch got out, I had the chance of working on a, an application for the watch, for a client, and there was little to no guideline. And so I, I was myself in this case where you have to look for the existing guidelines, but where is the room for you to express yourself and to add some, some creativity over this? And this is really, really hard when you, when you don't know the platform that well.
0: You told me about an app that you guys have been working on, which I'm sure I'm going to Mispronounce because you have a fancy spelling on it but it's coach
1: yeah coach yeah can you tell us a little bit about it coach is an app that allows you to work out basically at home without any equipment so yeah we we made that in 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 response to the uh, the awful times we're living in right now so you can you can you guys can work at home work out and keep you know keep fresh i don't know what can i say about it it's it's a great app you should you should download it you know
0: (laughs) All right. Well, I'll make sure to put the link in the notes so that people can go check it out. If people have a a mobile app project and they want to learn more about the design process, do you have any recommendations on books or websites that are approachable that can help them understand the process to go through?
1: About atomic design, it's, it's actually it comes from a it's, it comes from a guy whose name is uh, Brad Frost. So I guess you you could watch that conference because it's really interesting. I think it's from 2000. 15 or 16. It's quite recent, in fact. But he he goes over every aspect of atomic design, and he's actually the the creator of this method. So yeah, and then there's, like I said, uh, Audrey Hack. I'm pronouncing it in in English, but she's actually French. She made a really great conference in the Web Today conference, but it's in French. But she also made a, a lot of articles on Medium, which are great. So go check it out absolutely. Okay, I put links in in the show notes about those. And also um I want to make sure that people know what design actually is and uh I actually noted a quote that I really love about design. It's from Buckminster Fuller which was it's it's just a quote it's not a link, but I figured I I would say I would mention it anyway. He says, "When I'm working on a problem, I never think about beauty. I only think about how to solve the problem. But when I have finished, if the solution isn't beautiful, I know it's wrong. And this, to me, is, it just sums up design in a great way because designers are often seen as you know, artists, like I said. And what we are is actually problem solvers. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a great quote to, to remember when you think about design.
0: That's a good way to put it, problem solvers. See how to solve the user's problem. Well, we're actually running um, out of time. Is there, if our listeners want to learn more about you and what you're doing, where, where can they go? Where can they find you?
1: I'm not a very social person on the internet, but uh, I have a portfolio website <laughs> where you can find my uh, work, essentially. You can maybe put a link down below and also the the Monocle website because a lot of my work is uh, is featured there. So yeah.
0: All right. Perfect. Thank you very much again, Jeremy. It was great to have you here today and thanks for
1: coming. Thanks. Thanks to you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Mobile App Makers podcast. I'm Olivier
1: Destrobeck. You can find more info on building mobile apps at mobileappmakers.chat.